Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Oh, we're here, and we're going to be happy for the next four weeks because we're talking the beginning of season six of 24, and then we're probably going to cancel the show after that. Uh, but uh, the good stuff, we get to start with the good stuff here. And, and wow, this is even better than I remembered the good stuff being. Uh, we get Jack being a vampire, as Ben's been teasing for the last year. <laughs> We get Morris slapping his ex-wife on the bottom. We get um, the Curtis is there uh, <laughs> for a little while longer. We get a little bit more time with Curtis and the standard insert 24 shot of person's wedding ring to tell them they got married in the off season. Uh, we are episode one of season six, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Written by Howard Gordon, directed by John Cassar. Starring Kiefer Sutherland and a bunch of other people. And co-starring Kiefer Sutherland's fake beard. Uh, this is... It's a nice beard. <laughs> it's a very Don't nice know why it's beard. funny. <laughs> it's very fake looking. Um, January 14, 2007, one of a two-night premiere um, uh, for uh, season six. And what happened January 14th, Ah, uh, Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Con, because I actually came prepared this week. Um, in 1960, the Reserve Bank of Australia, the country's central bank and banknote issuing authority, authorised the 1959 Reserve Bank Act. It was established on that day. Um, the USS Enterprise fire. Uh, so the USS oh, Enterprise. The, Captain's the, log, star the, date. <laughs> the, um, the, the boat, not the, uh, the star one. Caught fire in Hawaii, killed 28 people. Uh, and Elvis Presley's concert... Aloha from Hawaii, which is the most uh, watched broadcast by an individual entertainer in history, was broadcast on that day. Also, Dave Grohl's birthday, uh, Jason Bateman's birthday, and LL Cool J's uh, birthday, which I think Joe Biden called him like Cool LJJ or whatever he called him. (laughs) So uh, there you go. Happy birthday to Cool Cool LJJ. You should just call him Cool. Cool. Oh, and Holland Taylor's birthday too. There you go. And oh, Faye what Dunaway. A what a woman. Carl Weathers. Lots of good people's Carl birthdays. Carl Weathers. <laughs> on this oh, what? This is my new favorite day, even over my own birthday. And the number um, one person's birthday, according to FamousBirthdays.com, is Alejandro Rosario, TikTok star. <laughs> <laughs> good for him. Over Carl Weathers? Seriously? <laughs> Carl Weathers is like 40 on this list. <laughs> not fair. Um, I bet you Howard Gordon's not even on the list for birthday. who wrote this episode and also provided a pretty decent commentary with Kiefer that uh, I'm excited to talk about. Uh, my name is Colin, and I don't happen to be a pretty lady. You're going to use it. Uh, and my name is Ben, and I, I can't believe, I can't believe you didn't open the door. 
<laughs> I was hoping you would have said uh, you're a hottie. Uh, I would have said yes, oh, speaking, I am. Speaking you're of hotties, hottie. thank you. There oh, we go. Jamie's opening line. Oh, there we go. And I got oh. kimchi for supper. Do you eat kimchi? Can you stand it? Uh, it's it's uh, if it, I have to, but I often get it removed. Well, the keto if restaurant in Melbourne, they have it in one of the sandwiches, but I get it out. It's yeah. Uh, I'm not it cultured. comes in bulk at Costco, and I never finish it in the three months I have it. I'm <laughs> making an I effort today. Costco. Uh, this episode is fantastic. We kind of knew going in these first four episodes to be great. Um, I, I think one of the things that I was most pleasantly surprised with this episode is how it almost righted something they tried to do in season four, which is playing on the whole fear of Middle Easterns uh, with, with the, the terrorism and all that. Uh, and they did it in a much more subtle way, I think. It's not heavy-handed at all. Um, that's, I think, the best thing about this. And they do talk about a lot. I I, I was able to watch not only the, uh, the, the episode commentary for this, but even some of the special features. They have like a writer's room special feature where it's just a bunch of the staff writers talking about everything for the season. There's some there's some good stuff in there. Uh, you get, get some opinions about where, where I think their uh, hearts are in this season or where their hearts are lacking in this season. But uh, I mean, they definitely talk up a lot about that being one of the main things of the season, them wanting to make it kind of a realistic portrayal. But uh, I mean, this episode, like, wow. I mean, way better than I expected. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the prequel on this as well, briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, look, I think this is this is kind of 24 at its peak, This the next four episodes, because this is coming off the high of season five. They've got all the plaudits. They've got everything. Like this is the the most love this show is ever going to get at this point because it's just it's it's booming, right? Even more than those opening couple of seasons, which really set the standard. So I think that shows, and I think that you know, as we know, the first four episodes are always kind of done together. They, you know, over the two night premiere, they we talked about this literally. These first four episodes being released on DVD because they were so like mm-hmm. confident and. Yeah, but I mean, as we've also constantly kept saying, this is the best this season gets. Um, and look, even I will say that of the first four episodes, I think they gradually improve as well. Like, I mean, I I, I think this is a good episode. I'm maybe not going to be on high as it is as you are. It, it does the standard what it needs to do. The next three weeks kind of just paint by numbers, do what you want to do and set this up. And then episode four is is amazing. That's, uh, spoiler alert, the only tw- uh, season six episode that will make my top six. A uh, top ten, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think that there's there's other bits in this that you know I think that in hindsight, just because I know how this season goes, kind of annoys me because as I keep saying, what they do so well in this opening part of the season, which I want them to explore for a full season, is broken Jack. Is is Jack who just is so down, and we're gonna see this over the next few weeks. It's just like. He's going to keep questioning his own ability. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not the same person. Like, that's what I want to see for an entire season. But they forget about it. So, like, there's elements of that. And, again, I I know I shouldn't really hold this accountable for what happens later on in the season. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's still... It's it's entertaining. It, it, It sets everything up that you need to do. It does what a premiere needs to do. I just don't think it stands out compared to other premieres. It's still fine. Um, and... You get Jack Bauer openly going for the uh, sequel to The Lost Boys. Uh, now we will talk about the prequel. We're going to talk about the prequel, and then also something else which I didn't know existed. Uh, I messaged you and said, "Watch it if you mm. feel like it, but it's not essential." Yeah, 
I don't know if you did or if you you kind of remember no, this. No, I, I re- it was it was like a. I think they had a AT and T or a T Mobile. They had some partnership with a mobile phone company from memory, which you got like the debrief. You got it like if you were on that carrier in the US, you got it exclusive to your phone. Mm. Um, and because like one thing, this is the last prequel we'll talk about besides Redemption next season, which is technically a movie yeah. prequel. But what they ended up doing, which I've forgotten about, there was actually a few of these seasons where they did debrief slash kind of like an epilogue which I know there's like a Chloe one and there's a few more that they're a bit harder to track down, but uh, we'll have to remember to do some of those after some of these seasons. Cause um, yeah, this is the last time we have like a prequel outside of redemption. Uh, so the prequel is basically Jack in prison. So this is, I guess supposed to be five months before season six starts. Cause they say he's been here for 15 months and he hasn't said a word. Um, we get Chen in there. So that's something. And then it's just this it's of the day. this breakout. Uh, it's dying of the day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but nobody's shirtless. That's what we're missing. There's no Madonna. Damn it. No, no, no. That's definitely a good thing. Uh, but uh, so he, uh, I don't know if this is, um, he, he's being broken out of prison. Uh, but it, it. I wasn't with it when I was seeing this because I don't think I ever saw this prequel. I wasn't with him when I'm like, okay, so they just happen to break him out of prison. And it's going to get back in there. And then what the way it all ties together is that after you get this action sequence where they're you know driving through the dark and they're shooting and everything, they get to the extraction point and you see this uh, Chinese agent there, and they're like, uh, "Oh, this is this definitely the guy or whatever." And Jack just sort of nods because I actually have to go back to this. I'm like, "Oh, I thought he said something there, but he doesn't speak because they say mm-hmm. that in the beginning of season six he hasn't spoke for two years or whatever." Um, and then this all ends up being a ruse that Chen set up. He wanted to know which one of his agents was uh, feeding CTU information or, or had been a double agent. This is what he was being tortured on. Uh, Jack basically confirmed it just by going along with his rescue, not realizing it. You get a great performance key for just his reaction of like, I can't believe that I did this. Like, I'm, I'm sm- how did this happen? I'm smarter than this. Uh, but before you get to that twist, I'm like, oh, this is this is as bad as last season where Chloe's in the Carter chase or yeah. whatever. But it has a really good twist on it. And I think it does add something to when you start season six and you see where Jack's at, especially with them saying, yeah, he hasn't spoken for two years. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I, I still think the season four one is the best of all of them. Um, just kind of the way they intersected and you get Jack dropping an F-bomb. I mean, like, these aren't essential viewing. Like, again, it's it's if you're watching, if you're listening to this and, and you don't know what we're talking about, it, I mean, you, there's a very bad version of it on YouTube. I think it's on the DVD. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not important it's just basically jack getting tortured escapes gets teased a little bit that he's about to escape and then comes back into it i mean i I remember watching this when it came out thinking like oh okay well this explains how jack will get back into season six you know and it's kind of it's an interesting twist but um yeah and then like same with the debriefs like they're they're not like it's with most of these things with prequels and sequels or bits like that they're, they're never it's essential viewing. It's just like it adds a little bit of context to it and you get to see Jack with his sexy beard and you do get to see him shirtless here. So what are you talking about? What frustrates me with the debrief, and, and here's the odd thing, the debrief actually takes place after the end of season six. It picks up the next morning where Jack's in his hotel room and he's watching news coverage of something big that might happen this season. One of the many big things, but the big, big thing that happens this season. And some CTU agents come from division and they're there to debrief them and they got a take him and he's basically an interrogation room and they're asking him questions and it's all about some agent some american agent that uh his identity was given up in this i don't know if it's supposed to tie into the prequels where it's like it's just both sides who are worried about you know oh we've got agents on both sides and now somebody's selling this person out and they died the only thing noteworthy that happens here 
is that Burke comes back. Mm. Burke, our uh, torturer, uh, he gets sicked on Jack, or he basically says, I can break him. And then he gets in the room, Jack takes him down, and he basically ends it by saying, hey, you guys should know better. I would never sell out any information. Now, if you have more questions for me, I'll be in my hotel. And they're like, okay, see you, Jack. Like, that's it. And and this is like a five-week thing they did where when you watch every single episode that's about four minutes long, half of it is previously on, and they just show the entirety of the previous one. So it's less than 10 minutes, adds nothing to it. But it's, it's something where they obviously had this storyline Maybe it's a bit of a clue that they're going to be bringing the Chinese back into it at some point because they obviously thought this was an important story. But it's it's a whole lot of nothing, both at the beginning and at the end of the season. I will correct myself. It wasn't a phone one. It was an American Express, if you were like a credit card. But I know they also did um, – I don't know Wayne, but what, what season it was, but they did do one for like a phone company and it didn't have like any of the characters in it. They were just all side like CTU missions and agents that was just – completely kind of unrelated to it. So there was a similar one that they did with the phone company, but I knew there was some sort of exclusivity around you had to be somebody or something to get it. But um, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're fine. They're, but I mean, it's, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. We get Burke back. Cool. Um, So the season basically starts, and this is one of the things they said in that writer's room uh, or might've been on the commentary. I think they said in both that uh, they wanted to start a 24 season as if you were being dropped in almost at the end of the last season. Because they're talking about all these different terrorist attacks. 900 people were just killed in the San Antonio bombing. Uh, they're talking about how it's got to be an Islamic attack. Um, and then in Los Angeles, there's a guy who's not being let on the bus because he's Middle Eastern. I can't believe you didn't let me on the bus. <laughs> I'm going to be late for work. Uh, but, uh, of course, this is what I was talking about, the, the season four thing they tried to do about Oh, def- definitely don't let any any Arabs uh, in this uh, bus here. Public transportation is not for Arabs. You you go back home and live with your own kind. Like this is the way they're trying Get to get Christian it. Bale. He'll help you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I know for Arabs context, and Jewish people are different, but it's just it's more of a reference point to a movie that uh, we just not did. If, not if Ridley Scott's directing it. They're not. <laughs> exactly. I get confused. I, they whitewashed that film, so that's why I'm Ben Waterworth ignorant. Thanks to Ridley Scott. But I mean, there's obviously a bigger part of this plot that's going to come later on about the whole fear uh, towards the the Middle Eastern people, which I think is handled a lot better in this season. And in the writer's rooms feature, they actually talked about they presented everything when they first wrote everything. They assumed we're doing this because we want to show how evil everybody is. And then as they filmed it, they're like, you know, the way this this story is being taken place, this is maybe realistic. It's not like they're saying you should be judging these people, but it's like there would be fear there. So it, they very quickly repositioned into this is going to be about more the reality of the situation. It's not just over the top, although we do get some of those over top guys later, but like the guy not letting him on the bus, it's like this probably would happen. It would be a minority, but it would happen. It did happen uh, in 9-11. Then, we, there was all incidents yeah, exactly. in days after 9-11 where the, you know, Arab Americans were treated like shit. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the fact that this time there's a lot of intelligence is pointing towards the Islamic terrorists which they, they even the way they mix it up in this is better than they mix it up in season six. But great twist here where you get on the bus and uh, it's not some Arab guy sitting in the back with an iPod that blows up a bus. It's some random American. It's Johnny America. Death by uh, Zune. Is that in a Zune? Remember them? My- what? Zune. Remember Microsoft had like the version of the, iP- the iPod that no. didn't take off? Uh, infamous like tech flop. But I think that's a Zune. Or so, it's probably actually Sony's version, like whatever Sony's iPod was in 2007. But um, yeah, I love that. Death product by, placement. Yeah, product placement. Boom. Um, it's a great opening sequence. Uh, we uh, get introduced to the, the White House. Um, what do you would call the Oval Office? 
Uh, we have Karen who's there, who's now what she, what's she like the national security advisor. Yeah. And she's debating with the great Peter McNichol. Oh, what a man. One of the stars of this Mr. season. Mr. Bean's uh, best friend. Mr. Bean's best friend. Uh, the, the the guy from number, one of the guys from numbers. Allie one McBeals. of my guilty shows. Colleague. Allie McBeal's creepy uh, guy, friend, whatever you want to call him. Whatever happened to Peter McNichol? I mean, after numbers, I don't know if I've seen him in a lot, but um, uh, I I mentioned like the one of the best lines ever. What we were talking about, um, you've got mail, and uh, he has that line in Ghost Stories. Has a very heavy like European accent, and somebody just asked him, "Where are you from?" And he goes, "The Upper West Side." Like, <laughs> I love that reading. Uh, he did the voice of Doctor Octopus in the animated Spider Man. Been on Grey's Anatomy for Ugh. a season. Okay. Um, take take away the love of him. He was in Scooby Doo Stage Fright. Yeah, the, the last film that he was in, well, he's got a movie that's uh, to to be announced right now called Home Delivery, but the actual last movie that he did was uh, our almost completely true story, which I don't even know who that is. And prior to that, it was 10 years earlier, the movie Battleship. That was your girl. With Rihanna. <laughs> so there's his connection to Rihanna. There you go. I mean, he's. I mean, he did he's a lot of TV work since then, but yeah, he's an amazing actor. He did a voice and- in The Angry Beavers. I love this man. Um, he did a voice in Star Wars Rebels. Aww. Playing Cebu. He was in Agents uh, of I don't know Shield. Who that is. Um, he was in Veep. Maybe he was in. He was nominated for an Emmy in Veep. He, he's better than all of this, is uh, what we're saying. This I guy's remember, amazing. I actually, I think I vaguely remember him being. No, he was in the Big Bang Theory. He was like a reclusive guy they go to visit in the woods. He's like, yeah, okay. I remember. That's probably the last thing I've actually seen him in was yeah, an episode of the Big Bang Theory. I remember that. Now, basically, what the debate between Karen and Lennox is here is uh, about detainment centers. So they want to set up, you know, people from that region who are on our radar. We want to detain them, and then that will stop the terrorist attacks. And then Karen's saying, like, we can't do this. And then this is where we see Wayne Palmer's president. Now, I don't remember if I knew he was going to be president coming this season, but, like, it's still I, – I get a, a bit of a reaction of, like, Wayne Palmer's president. Like, of course, it's got to be a Palmer. But – I, I I feel like maybe for years I judged this a little too much about, oh, of course, now his brother is president. Uh, it's actually not that bad. And in a way, it kind of makes sense here. Like, because I, I, maybe it makes more sense now because we've been living in the last decade or whatever where it's like only celebrities can run for office. Donald Trump. And if, if you're not a celebrity, you've got to be the relative of somebody who is formerly a president. So it's going to be Hillary Clinton or uh, whoever Joe Biden's uh children are going to be running for president when he, yes remy do you yeah. have anything to add on this if not you can leave me alone okay trudeau <laughs> yeah justin trudeau like it just it makes more sense now that like whereas the time this came out i'm like oh like his brother's gonna become president for with what credentials but now it's like of course this would happen the rock everybody oh i love it. everybody's like oh no we, we can't have a celebrities like donald trump running for office let's vote the rock in <laughs> like, kanye, okay? west. kanye west yeah um yeah, so I'm not judging this too much now, but uh, I do love Wayne, the the line he has, like, saying, this is exactly what we did during World War II to the Japanese, and how did that work out for us? You know, it's brought shame to our country that we haven't uh, been able to shake ourselves out. Uh, there is uh, some good debate here where they're talking about defending the Constitution versus defending, like, the, the, the people's freedom. Uh, this is where I say, like, I feel like they had more thought put into this. And it's funny because season four was very cut and dry, oh, we got to present these people as being evil. And I'm not saying that the like, detainment centers are the right thing, but I'm like, present it as an argument. This is what these people's jobs are. Lennox is a little bit shadier than some people, but like, it is his job to present 
all sides of the argument. We've defended a lot of people on this uh, throughout the first five seasons. Like this, this is kind of what you're there for. You have to present the options, but uh, the fact that you had the writers saying, yeah, we meant this to be very evil mustache twirling. Like, Oh, this guy got to watch out for him. And then we're like, wait, but like realistically, this kind of makes sense. And I think it's just them presenting this in a more realistic way. And I accept it more. Although it is funny to listen to the commentary where Howden Gordon's trying to explain about how they wanted this to be not so cut and dry. And it's a bit of a gray area and keep us like, well, in my house, it's not a gray area. This is 100% wrong. <laughs> and he basically spends the entire commentary being like, yeah, this is like the evil of all evils. We're just like, oh, I'm not disagreeing with Keeper. That would be my personal opinion. But it's like, he's but Canadian. you, you got to look at things. For, he's Canadian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree with him. He's Canadian. Uh, they mentioned this guy, Assad. Oh, great. Remy's going to come on the treadmill now. Um, Remy, what are your thoughts on detainment centers? Hi, Remy. You don't know. All right. What do you thought on politicals? Because we're gonna have some upstairs. What's your What's your take yeah. on Wayne Palmer as president? Yeah. Do you like Wayne Palmer as president? Would you vote for him? He said no. You Racist? don't need to talk to him. Racist. You're not allowed to talk to him. You talk to me, not him. Legally, I'm not allowed <laughs> to talk to you, Remy. Exactly. Yeah. There's a barrier here. <laughs> Six feet. Uh, they mentioned the, they mentioned the name of Saad. That he's the one behind the tax. Now this is what's weird because Karen's basically saying our intelligence has shown that. Uh, these aren't uh, these aren't Islamic attacks, and then she's the one saying, "Well, our intelligence says that Assad is behind all of it." Like she yeah. basically contradicts herself with the same scene. There's a lot of that in this episode. If you pull apart what even the news is saying, and there's a big, big plot hole with some intelligence that gets leaked on the news at one point, which I'll get to. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what is this line here? Twenty times. Uh, twenty-one would have. This is something. With, oh yeah, this is with Morris, right? When Morris is introduced here. They're saying how many Milo. So we get Milo back. Now, this was, I wouldn't say it was a groaner when I saw it. I remember being, cause I think I knew that he was coming back to the show, but didn't know like, oh, is he going to be like a boss or is he just going to be Milo again, formatting files. And then when you see him as a boss, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting take on him. Um, I, again, I'm not judging this as much on this viewing. Maybe I'm, I'm I think certain he's things. great. I think it works very well. I think it's because they address the fact he's like, Hey, when I was doing this job, you know, I would screw around mm. just like you. Uh, but uh, now I'm the boss and I'm management. Eating his peanuts, and in reality, he was eating his sunflower seed. <laughs> remember that? This is, this is just the way it works. I mean, yeah. the job I'm at now, you know, I, I shouldn't have been at this job. I, I was working like two days a week at this job in a closet. It was just something I did to pay for my vehicle payments and uh, in a closet <laughs> with Tom Cruise. <laughs> but, uh, G'day, Tom. How you doing? Still gay, but I guarantee you, if, if you were to just if you were to just flash forward and then a couple of years later, you know, I I have my own employees and stuff like that and promoted and everything. You pay your car you'd be like, what the, the guy? Well, I, I I just got a better car. That's all I did. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, but yeah, like it, it's it's to me it feels a little more realistic than just a randomly bringing Milo back and the fact that he addresses. Hey, I am a guy you've seen before. A little bit better than I We're just on that really quickly because I'll forget this line. But, like, I mean, I think it, it's kind of a bit world-building because, he, I mean, he holds a record for the longest gap between main characters returning. But, like, yeah. in, in, and we we know there are CT officers around the country and we've heard, like, like when Michelle, they got to Division and they get transferred around. So, like, for all we know, like, Milo got brought in that day. Not to format files, but, like, he got brought in that day. Like, the end of that day, maybe he kept working at CTULA. Maybe all the other days during the seasons, he's had the day off. People have days off, people. Or maybe he was just like in San Francisco or was in like New Orleans or like he was transferred around, like, you know. When Paula's spleen was found in the office, like, we're going to need somebody with a healthy spleen here to take over. He got like transferred to the, some office. He made his way up and then they needed another person at Los Angeles because they always get blown up. So, like, I mean, you know. Well, that's the thing is, and I think this is one of the reasons why I'm accepting more because we've yeah. seen, especially last season, the casualties 
where they're like, oh, we got to bring in the, the the NSA now instead, or the, the what, what, Homeland Security. We have to bring in them. So realistically, they would be like that guy who's formatting files. He looks like he's worked here long enough. Give him a promotion. So hang on, they've been they got they got blown up in season two. They got um, Centox gas last season. They will get attacked this season as well. So um, yeah, it's 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 a their trope. leader got convicted of treason or whatever and lost his job and his wife and all that. Exactly. So. You know, this is just and now a... he's not dead anymore. Exactly. <laughs> well, wait for another twenty-three episodes before we talk about that. Which, well, well let me let me quickly uh, address that here. So, on that writers' room feature, they mentioned about how they started this season. The original idea this season was that they wanted to bring a character back who was thought to be dead, and they're like, "Oh, that was how season six was supposed Sherry to start." Palmer. Which you know there were Sherry well. <laughs> You know they're referring to Tony, but what it came down to is they're like, oh, you don't want to spoil something like that too too quick. And they're like, that would have been going too far. They're like, we we reserved it. And now now when they're heading to season seven, they're like, now we're maybe dusting off that idea. So Janet. obviously the idea Janet. Janet, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like they basically address, yeah, this between season five and season six, the idea was already Tony's coming gonna come back. And it would have been a similar role to what we got, but they just figured people aren't gonna accept that right now. We have to lay off for a season. Um, but <clears throat> Anyway, so uh, th- so there's a deleted scene here. The deleted scenes aren't great on uh, this episode. It's, it's more just alternate version of the scene. The alternate version here doesn't have Morris feeling up Chloe. It's a little bit more subtle. I don't know why they decided we're going to go with him actually sexually harassing her. I mean, I, I can't remember. Are they actually together at this point? Or do they get together again throughout the season? No, they're, they're together. I think it's okay. it yeah it is cuz even like in this line is that Milo says something like get your boyfriend on on track or something so no I think it's it's they're together in it's, this yeah it's Nadia and Milo. somebody else who get together in this season Nadia Milo, and Milo yeah 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 um so yeah somebody gets together in this season somebody's got a hook up by the end of the season um Jack and Chang Jack and Chang <laughs> That's what we've been waiting Stockholm for Stockholm syndrome <laughs> Uh, and we do get introduced to Nadia here, who's basically saying that uh, Jack's um, being released. Now, she basically tells Chloe, this is the one stupid thing I'm going to say about her character. Because overall, Nadia is a character that I, I'm not going to say this is like Jamie, where I'm like, who's Jamie? And then I'm like, wait a second. But like when you mentioned Nadia a couple of weeks ago, that was the first time I even thought about Nadia since the season stopped airing. It, it wasn't like, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then there's Nadia. And then when you mentioned, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was Nad- there was a Nadia in there at some point who was running the show. Uh, but I didn't necessarily remember much about her character, but also surprised. I'm like, she's great in this episode because she feels like a boss, even though she shouldn't. She's second in command. She's going to be very important throughout the season. Um, This is probably the only dumb thing she really does here. And and her character will also tie into some of this racial profiling that we're going to get later on, which let's address another elephant in the room here. This is our topic of the week. Um, So the actress that plays Nadia here, uh, does she, I mean, she's in both finger. She, who's she in Bowfinger? Uh, she plays a character, which I'll tell you. I know when I watched <laughs> Bowfinger recently, I did recognize her. Um, she's also, she plays um, the, she plays Audrey in Vegas Vacation. She's the yeah. uh, the Griswold children. Um, That's what I was going to say, because I remember when the show young, started, I'm like, is that girl from Vegas Vacation? Young actress at audition she is Oh, in. okay. Um, she was also so, in an episode of Nip Tuck. Um, but no, she, um, I remember when I, um, sorry, go ahead. Keep talking about it. I've interrupted you, but, um, well, I, I was yeah. just going to say, I mean, the, the other thing she's done since then, she was on the TV show Riverdale, which I watched for one season, which the first season was great. And the second season is unwatchable and it apparently only gets worse from there. But, um, so 
this actress, Marisol Nichols, um, her ethnicity, Mexican and Jewish. So let's cast her as an era, Bob. Why wasn't she <laughs> in Exodus, God of Kings? I know. She could have been Ridley Scott. This is your woman right here. She could have played Kristen Bale's wife. Oh, she's got a but, website. Uh, they they do uh they do talk about in the commentary. It's like yeah you know it really it's like it really would have been great to actually get got a, a Middle Eastern actress for this. What's her podcast? The Marissa Nichols <laughs> podcast is now <laughs> streaming according to her website in capitals. <laughs> and today we're talking about my audition in my audition for playing the auditioning girl in Bowfinger. Aww, uh, she looks pretty. But uh, website's brilliant. Good on you, Marissa Nichols. But uh, it's. It's a little bit weird because they say, oh, it would have been nice to actually have a Middle Eastern actress for this. But they basically say they found the actress first and she wasn't supposed to be playing Nadia Yasser. She was playing like Nadia Jenkins or something like that. And then they they decided, oh, it would be good if we tied some of this, you know, racial fear into CTU. And he, no joke, Howard Gordon actually says on the commentary, it's like, she looks dark enough to be Arab oh, <laughs> or Middle Eastern. That <laughs> uh, I think his exact up. words... His exact words were something like, she looks darker, we could make her Middle I, Eastern I or something like that. I slapped him at that point. <laughs> uh, you do not talk like that in my house, and this is Racism! my house. Keep it house. Not acceptable. <laughs> not okay. Uh, but yeah, she basically tells Chloe everything that's going to set off some bad things happen this episode. Uh, they mention about Jack uh, being exchanged, and he hasn't spoken in two years, that the exchange with the Chinese was they wanted $25 million, and they uh, this guy Abu Fayed wants jack now i i remember the other guy the guy that what's his name uh assad i don't remember this abu fayed guy but i think it's because i confused them as one character he's a good villain. um he's a like a, yeah actually, he's great he's a, to me he's a highlight of this season he's fired he's, he's actually a decent villain because spoiler for 15 minutes from now i mean this is going to be the the swerve is that the guy that they think they're going to be getting the location of that they think is a terrorist is actually the one who's trying to help them, and that this guy who's setting up the exchange is actually the terrorist. And he was one, I think we pointed out in one of the seasons, the actor who plays him, uh, Adoni Maropas, uh, played another, like a side terrorist. Oh, yeah. Um, in another episode. Yeah, he played uh, in a deleted scene. And so he was uh, working in, uh, in, a, in season four, and I think they liked him so much that they brought him back. Um, so, uh, basically Chloe finds out about this cause she blackmails <laughs> her boss by saying, what, what is the exact line here? I have to write it down. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, d didn't I keep my mouth quiet when you left the Jarvis firewall unsecured? Yep. Okay. The Jarvis firewall. She, she had too many sockets open. Uh, is that what many. was unsecured? Dangerous. Uh, and then we, uh, have obviously Jack coming back and he's got his fake beard, <laughs> his wig on. He's not speaking right away. We got Curtis there for the exchange. We got Bill there for the exchange. They kind of have a nice scene. Um, they explain everything that's happening. He just wants to know, does uh, Audrey know? No. Does my daughter know? No. All right, keep it that way. And uh, I don't think, I'll, I'll cover the Wayne scene here as well because that's important. Now, I don't know if this Wayne scene has the same weight, but again, maybe I'm just sort of viewing this from a different point of view now coming off of season five because the first thing I was thinking of is like, David Palmer would never have set up this exchange for Jack Bauer. And then I'm like, wait, but Wayne Palmer probably would have because he didn't have that same relationship. He obviously had some, they were, you know, buddy cops last season together for like what, two weeks, but uh, <laughs> him, him going along with this and saying, Oh, I wish there was another way, Jack. I just wanted to be man enough to tell you because you were close with my brother. Uh, and then Jack says, I, I think it's right here where Jack actually says um, that, uh, you know, I 
didn't want to die for nothing. The whole reason I was still alive because it was in China is I didn't want to die for nothing. I can die for something now. It, it kind of gave me a laugh because it just reminded me of a Simpsons episode, the the meteor one, where everybody's saying they they don't want to go outside and then Ned goes outside and then Moe's like, I want to die too. <laughs> kind of reminds me of here. But this this again was like really powerful. I think this is one of those scenes where it reminded me of like the, the Logan scene last season where he was going to kill himself. It's like Jack actually facing death and saying, I'm okay with this. But he's saying it like in a way where he's like, don't let Audrey know, don't let Kim know. It's it's actually really good. Um, so yeah, everything up until that point, and we finally get to see Jack talk. Uh, but of course, he's going to have to shave because you got to go out clean shaven. I just want to add, just, I'll forget, well, not forget, but like just you're on that topic. I've actually marked down that. I mean, again, this is a season where it's not like last season where we had so many top five moments. This one, I can make, I can definitely think of one to me that would be a top five moment, two maybe. But um. This again, I'm just marking it down because you get outside of those two that I can think of off the top of my head. I can't think of other scenes that should be top five in this season. Um, I just love that moment where Jack's just like, yeah, like I'm here to die for something. Like, you know, it's just it's just a powerful little it's a very small scene. But um, yeah. Um I I I I I like how this starts. Like I like this drop you into it. And again, like this is riding off the high of season five, and you know, we've talked about you know, how excited we were. Like I, I, this maybe was the most anticipated season of all time for 24. And I think that you touched on it and I've touched on it, like so excited for this to watch it. And then the thing about this, that like, I think this is maybe an issue with this season that the writers maybe knew that where they were going, wasn't that great. They hyped this up. And even in the reviews, like the TV networks, who got reviews of the first four episodes. They were all saying like, these first four episodes are better than last season. Like we are going to be in for the greatest thing ever. It's so good. We're releasing it on DVD. So there was all this hype over this coming into it. And again, watching this for the first time, like it is, it's incredible. These first four episodes. Again, I'm not as high on it as I maybe was back in the day in hindsight, but I mean, it's still done in such a way. Like, yeah, you kind of, it's very season four-esque where it's not just one major threat. It's just kind of multiple ones. A few like plot holes though that I get here is like when you watch like you see these people like watching the news before they get on the bus. They're like, and we're on day four now of these multiple terrorist attacks across the country. 900 people have died. The latest men in San Antonio. They're just so blasé. Again, like I always bring up 9-11, but like I've been on a real 9-11 kick recently. And like one of the things I've been watching is like I've been watching a lot of like the news coverage of it. And like, again, I remember I was watching it live. So I remember just everything that was happening around the news things. And I get it. We live in a 24 where like terrorist attacks are kind of the norm now. But really, would you be that blasé? Like, and we're on day four. 900 people have died. Oh, we're just getting word. Los Angeles people are dead there. Orkies. And it's it's Texas. They basically treat that like it's stone country. Exactly. And San Antonio. Come on, the sovereign nation of Texas. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, San Antonio to the great city of San Antonio. But you've got Dallas. You've got Houston. You've got Austin. You've got three bigger options there. Terrorists. Come on, lazy. <laughs> um, but I also like... It's the contradictory nature over the who's behind it. Because if anything, this hatred towards Islamic people in this is the fault of the media. Because, like, they're literally like, there is no reported people who are behind this, but it is believed to be that of Islamic terrorists. Like, okay, I get it. Let's go straight to the people who are evil already. But, like, I mean, last season it was the Russians. Like, I mean, season three it was an Englishman. Um, like season two was the president. Well, like, I mean, come on, like season one, it was the freaking Serbians. Like, like in all seriousness, how many people have actually been Middle Eastern in this show and have been <laughs> evil? Okay. Um, Imhotep in season four was Middle Eastern. Um, but like, I don't know, like and even then in the White House scene, you're right. Like they're kind of back and forth. Can I just say this, like what I love about this season is 
this is the first time, and in this is opening scene, this is the first time that a president feels like a president in the fact that they are in a situation room with like 30 people. How many times have I complained that Palmer, that Logan, they're like, I mean, Logan last season's hanging out with three people at a ranch. Palmer, and he's freaking re-election, like he's, you know, got debates. He's got like freaking Wendy Crewson and Wayne Palmer hanging out with him. Like he's got two people. Like this feels like this is what happens when there's like an actual situation. There's like 30 people in that room advising the president of what to do. And this is the first time we're ever in the White House, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess Logan was in the bunker of the White House in season four as a vice president. But um, I really like that. And yeah, it was it was sort of known that Wayne was a president. So kind of they try and do this bit of a reveal where like, I think it's um, Tom Lennox's arm moves and you see Wayne and you hear a bit of the theme, you hear a bit of the... Um, and you'll get that sort of line later on when... Jack's like on the phone, like President Palmer got your release. And he's like, of course, how would you know? Wayne Palmer is president now. Um, but kind of say like Peter McNichol, Tom Lennox, like, yeah, okay. Oh. He's kind of a bit of a cartoon, but like, you're right. Everything he says here, like you need that person in the room. Like, okay. Yeah. Like some of these policies, like a little bit, like it's going to draw lines down racial division, but again, it's almost wartime. Like you've got to kind of do this. Like it's sort of, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it can be like you're stereotyping against certain people. And I get that. I get where the complexities come into it, but like, you just kind of, you're using those examples. Wayne's kind of got the devil and the angel on each shoulder. Like he's so good. And even that scene he has with Karen, which I don't know if you touched on sort of like when she kind of approaches him and she's like, Oh, so I heard that you started organizing these people without the president's permission. And he's just like, yeah, I'm being prepared. And it's like, you don't understand what you need to do for this job. I'm not going against the president's authority. Like I'm just doing Mm. what needs to be done. And what's so good. Like, I remember watching this live. I'm going like, okay, clearly we're meant to believe he's evil, but he's not really evil. Spoiler alert, he's not evil. There's somebody else that's going to be evil. And some of that gets really cartoony and bullshit later on. But they milk it. They They do. They milk it for the whole season. But (laughs) Peter McNichol's so good in this, the way he does it, because I think all I've ever seen him, like Mr. Bean movie, he's just like kind of just like, oh my God, like he's a bit lovable. And when I watched the Valley McBeal, he was kind of like lovable loser as well. So this is kind of the first, first time I've ever seen him is just kind of like a dick. Um, which is great. And I also love this red herring of like, let's uh, talk about Al-Assad, who's kind of like the guy, but then it's actually going to be fight. Like, I think it's a good twist that we'll have with Fayed later mm. on in this episode. Um, yeah, the, I mean, I, I remember when they announced Milo coming back. Like, that was the most random thing. Even as like a 20-year-old in 2007 when I hear this news, I'm like, really? Of all the people <laughs> to bring back? Um, they bring back Eric Balfour, Mr. Large Penis? Um, Where's Kate Morrow? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, again, he just kind of integrates. He just kind of fits. Like, I kind of like his back and forth with um, with Morris. And I do like that moment. It's like, I've asked you 23 times. Well, this will make it 24. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah. kind, of, <laughs> it's just kind of such like um, a dick. Um, other little plot holes I've got. So, like, basically the new, like, I think it's when Karen gets the file and is all like, oh, there's been an attack in LA like 10 minutes ago. How many casualties? Straight away, they're like, 23 so far, including the bomber. Now, like, I'm not an emergency worker. I, I, I'm a, I'm a very bad journalist. But like, even as somebody who knows nothing about emergency first responders, I can't imagine that when you get to a scene like that, you've got a bus on fire. Within 10 minutes, you're going, ah, bus fire! Quick, count the bodies. Like, I'm pretty sure. I You'd be I like, want to be the guy, the, the emergency responder. It's like, all right, all right, I'm going to go save this guy. You just start to count. All right, he's dead and he's dead and he's definitely dead. And I got to check a pulse for him. Yes, definitely dead. Like I know in triage situations, you've got the whole like black tag, red tag, yellow tag, green tag. In 10 minutes, they've gotten 23 <laughs> uh, t- black tags. 
Really? Do they have? I'm trying to see if I have a pen. You one of those clickers or like click, click, one, yeah. click, two. Exactly. <laughs> like when you see the plane, the people when they get on the plane, when they're clicking to see how many people on the plane. Yeah. Also, they say Al Assad. Like, like we have no idea who's behind it, but we're pretty sure it's Al Assad. He in the past has said he hated America, and he arrived three days ago. This is akin to letting Osama bin Laden into the country then. Because (laughs) you have got a guy who has openly been against the United States and without question you go to him as a man who has blown up all these things. Why did you let him in the country? That's on you, Wayne Palmer. What is Customs doing? Yeah. Like, like Wayne Palmer, I was never opposed to him as a president. It kind of makes sense. Although... Um, sexist. Regina King, she's going to get introduced in two weeks because remember the Palmers have a sister that we never heard about until season six. Yeah. <laughs> um, why isn't she president? Um, which I think maybe they were going to do, but Regina King disappears from this season. Don't don't worry about that. But like, um, he's not a very good president, Wayne Palmer. Let's just point that out. Um, and also, before I get to the Jack bit, there is a massive, massive plot hole on one of the TV broadcasts. You hear them talking about like, oh, there's been a bombing in LA. Homeland Security has now increased the threat level to red, which is the highest it has ever been increased to since the service was formed. I'm sorry, a nuclear bomb went off on this country like how many years ago? I'm sorry, the President of the United States plane was shot down two seasons ago. I'm sorry, the Russian president was nearly blown up last season. And now just because like 900 people are dead, now you increase it to red? It's 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 gonna lower when other bad stuff happens later this season. That's similar. Yeah. Like a, a new <laughs> we're gonna have bomb. something very very bad happen later this season. They're gonna be like, no 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 no, definitely not as bad as the bus. I think the worst possible attack you can have on American soil, a nuclear bomb, happened what like four or five years ago, twenty four timeline, and now you're only doing it to red. <laughs> Do we put it to red when the nuke's gone? Nah, it's only in the Mojave Desert. Keep it at yellow. <laughs> um, but the Jack scene, like. Uh, the only I'm going to nitpick the plot holes of this. Cause like I get the idea behind, we're going to bring Jack back because we can sacrifice him, you know, because this is the only thing really like, I'm sorry. Wayne Palmer gets in. One of the first things he's doing is getting Jack back because of his relationship with him and to his family. Secondly, how did they find out he was in a Chinese prison? Because like, mm-hmm. You know, he got kidnapped. Audrey's still looking for him. I mean, we're going to find out later on in this season how Audrey and what happened to her and everything along those lines, which again is a bit of a plot hole when Jack sort of asks about Audrey and Bill's kind of like, oh, no, she doesn't know, which anyway. Um, But like, why has it taken to now to try to do this? And secondly, Wayne Palmer, bad president, he is negotiating with terrorists and giving them what they want. He is just as bad as his brother when they kill Chappelle. Uh, yeah. This is why I'm saying bad He's just doing it with Jack Bauer, his brother's best friend. What is the number one rule of the United States government? We do not negotiate with terrorists. Like we joked in the James Bond movies that the British always just caved into the terrorists, but this is a fucking America. They've got bigger balls than the British. So, and- like, why are they caving in? Why is Wayne Palmer going after three days of attacks? Fuck, we're out of luck. Trade Jack. And, like, do they, again, you don't, like... You gotta give him Jack. Do you really think te- like I'm not a, a nice person? But even I know like terrorists <laughs> also aren't nice people. I'm sh- I'm sorry. Like, Osama bin Laden blows up the trade, the twin towers, and all that sort of stuff. And if he had gone like, all right, America, this is a warning. Free all the people that we want and leave us alone. And George Bush was a pussy. Just pretend, and he was like, all right, done. Sorry, they were my favorite buildings. You destroyed my office in the Pentagon. That was a nice field in Pennsylvania, man. Like, come on, all right. What do you want? Whatever you have. And the Sun Midlands goes, thank you, Mr. Bush. I apologize for the towers. 
we are now even. Like, no! Like, he's a dick! So, like, come on, Wayne Palmer, you're a poor president giving in to terrorists. But it's a great scene. I love Jack coming out. Why, though, does Chang have to come out of the closet? Why? <laughs> like, I get, like, I read in the book, by the way, and it's, it's Tara Bennett now. She's dropped the Delulio from her name. Oh. Still, still not that great. Um, there's nothing really to read. But the, the um, John Kazar, who's been bumped up to an executive producer now, he basically was saying that they he had this image of, like, Jack coming off the plane with the beard and the red lighting in the background was meant to, you know, show hell and, like, you know, this is his Passover. Kiefer was against the beard, by the way. It took John Kazar plenty of time to talk him into the beard. But you look good in it, Kiefer. Um, but, like, if this is a prisoner exchange, surely they sign like, the Americans would be the one to pick him up and they would be the one to transport him back. Why is it the Chinese who fly in and... Cheng's just getting off. They let him land. They, they they abducted an American citizen on American soil and yeah. they're letting them land. <laughs> and they just, exactly. Like he conducted and like, I'm sorry, half the reason why, well, the only reason why Cheng is so against Jack in America is because he claims he killed the consulate back in season mm-hmm. four, right? He conducted an illegal thing on US soil. This was, uh, the Americans are like, fuck mate, you are even. You did a shit thing on yeah. our soil as well. So <laughs> fuck you, buddy. So why are they letting him land? I get it. It's dramatic tension. We want Cheng. We want the handcuffs and this sort of stuff. Which again, later in the season when Cheng returns, it makes no sense. But whatever, it's season six. Um, <laughs> but it's a great scene. I love it when Jack kind of is just like, I understand what needs to be done. He mentions Kim. He mentions Andre. But it's kind of funny. Like, before I do this, do I have somewhere to clean up? Like, I'm sorry, Jack. You've been tortured for 18 months. And now you're like, oh, finally, I can have a shower and wear a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I look terrible. Like why? I got it, I clean shaven. <laughs> but again, this. But I love the scene on the phone, like when he's kind of just like, "This is again. This is what I want them to explore." Broken Jack. Like I love this moment when he's on the phone and he's like, "I understand what is needed of me, sir." Like I understand, and just like, and even the bit when he's kind of like staring out the window and Bill's trying to go like, "Jack, Jack, Jack," and he grabs him and he like he kind of shudders. The bit where like Jack says to Curtis, "Like I'm not going to hurt you. You can put away your firearm." Oh like, yeah, that was just great. like it's it's these are the bits that they should have touched on this entire season, not give up on it after five episodes, which they do. Particularly after what happens at the end of episode four, you make Jack even more broken because we have this amazing Kiefer scene in season, in episode four, which is just heartbreaking. Um, yeah, I mean it's all stuff, but uh, uh, sorry to nitpick at all the plot holes, which still kind of just really irk me. Um, yeah, there was one thing you said, I'll, I'll see if I can remember before the end of the episode, there was something you were saying about, um, I think the, 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 the terrorism, the suspects or whatever, Assad and all that. And I'll, I'll see if I can jog my memory later on. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I say, Colin. you said something smart and I'm like, no, I, I forgot it two minutes later. So Ben finally said something smart and I forgot. Uh, w- one thing to, uh, uh, mention you, you, you mentioned Marisol Nichols, uh, website, which by the way, yeah, what a website. website. This is it's like a humanitarian fight. She's got a very proper podcast. Well, but here's the funny thing. So you, the first thing you see when you scroll down is her podcast is now streaming, like you said. <laughs> and I guess it's a human rights thing. There's stuff about slavery. But I basically saw uh, something there about sex trafficking. And then I keep scrolling down. The very next thing is basically her modeling as seductively as she can with her shirt unbuttoned, flashing her panties, and nothing against that. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying... You're, oh, the, the evils of sex trafficking now. Everybody take a look at my crotch. <laughs> Here's my boobs. Well, uh, she does say- Very you, well placed on if here. If you read my story, she starts off with, warning, I am dramatic. And can I just say, like, I, touching on that, I actually really like Nadia as a character. She's great. There's a storyline that I, I'm so angry that they turn to later on in this season, particularly when it comes to the worst character in all of 24 history. He just ruins it. But um, no, she's great. Like, within, you're right. She feels like a boss. 
And yeah. I think that outside of the fact that Marissa Nichol is not Middle Eastern, but I like I this is very smart. This is very smart mm-hmm. to install a Middle Eastern character as the boss in a season where you are playing up to Middle Eastern stereotypes and protecting this culture, which again, they just don't stick the landing. They've got the threads there of an idea, which I think is fantastic, but they just they they get so muddled in the season sixness that is gonna be this season. See, and that's one of the things I was curious about what I'm gonna feel like when we do get there where her character is gonna go, because again, I'm I'm more high on some of the this, you know, uh Arab fear that they've inserted here just in episode one. Uh, and I don't know whether it's going to hold up through some of these shots on our website are very distracting. I'm going to close this website right She's now. She's a uh, very attractive <laughs> woman. Marissa Nickel. Um, so great website. Sutherland, uh, attractive man. Peter McNichol. M- hang on. Marissa Nickel and Peter McNichol. Oh, they should have a baby. They could be McNichol McNichol. So Peter McNichol is Nickel McNichol. Peter McNichol basically. So Marissa Nichols is the Burger King and Peter McNichol is McDonald's. Um, they could they could get married and hyphenate their names and they could both be Peter Mc- Nickel McNichol and Marcel Nickel McNichol. I'm Marissa Nichols McNichol. Yeah, okay. Didn't it sounds like, like a burger. Didn't like my McDonald's McNichol. joke. <laughs> now available at McDonald's, I'm Peter McNichol. <laughs> With extra pickle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you earned it. <laughs> so come give it a tickle. <laughs> Don't be fickle. <laughs> trickle, uh, trickle. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not going to fit sickle in there. I'm just thinking about other words. <laughs> uh, anyways, so, um, yeah, we have uh, the Karen and Lennox scene that you mentioned, uh, which, aside from the fact that he's making a lot of sense in there, again, I'm not agreeing with his plan, but, like, no matter what is going on, the government has to be prepared for all options. Yeah. Would there come a point where this would ever be something you have to do? What if you found out that this terrorist cell covered 95% of Middle Eastern uh, immigrants who have come over in the last two years? You're going to start to say, well, we got to start to at least round up the question all of those immigrants. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that there, there may be a scenario where this is at least explored and he's doing his job. This is his job to explore all options. So when Karen's confronting him and saying, oh, how, how are you actually doing this? The president said no. He goes, I'm keeping this as an available option in case he changes his mind. Because what what would you, if he suddenly said, you know what, uh, that detainment thing, I think I'm going to go for it. Sounds pretty good. When can you have this together? Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, if I thought about that six hours ago, we would have had it ready by now. But he's keeping the options available. They have to be able to act quick, especially when they've got... The amount of terrorist attacks that have happened over the last six weeks or whatever, as they said here, like, yeah, you're going to want to be prepared for anything. I was, I mean, I was reading, yeah, exactly. And a lot of the stuff, again, my 9-11 fix recently, like some of the stuff that kind of happened around it, like the scrambling and everything when people weren't knowing what was going on, like they were basically trying to get a presidential order. They were trying to basically go like, okay, we've got hijacked planes. Who do we talk to? We need to shoot these planes down. And there's all like the radio messages from the FAA to the military. And they're basically like, that's got to come from the president and all this kind of stuff. And basically it was Dick Cheney who kind of finally passed on the order. It was to United 93 because that was obviously going to be going to the Capitol building or the White House. And basically that order came through not long after that plane went down that they could shoot it down. And the fun one, which I'm, I'm not fun one, but like, the uh, the Canadian <laughs> angle of that was was it your prime minister was Jean Chrétien at the time or whatever Chrétien yeah basically there was um a I think it was a Korea air jet that there was two that people thought were hijacked there was a Delta plane and a Korea air jet both which were believed to have been hijacked and I think the Korean one entered Canadian airspace 
And Jean Chrétien basically immediately was like, shoot it down. If it like, if it's, mm. if it's hijacked, like he gave that order immediately. And obviously, you know, thankfully it never happened, but like, it was just, it was those, those moments where you've got to come up with it and that it's preparing it. Right. Like it's, it's yeah. in hindsight, like, yeah, you might detain a lot of innocent people, but if you stop one or two from making attacks, if you shoot down a plane of innocent people, but like if there's 200 people on the board, that plane versus flying into somewhere that's going to kill 3000, like it did in the trade centers. Like it's yeah. If anybody's ever had to brainstorm a solution for something, you basically have to look at what are all of our options and then let's rank them best to worst. So let's just say for argument's sake, Lennox Starting is the guy who's will exactly. We yeah, uh, will we <laughs> letting Ben host an episode? Um, <laughs> will Noah say something racist this week? Like, yeah. But, but Lennox's job, for argument's sake, is the guy who's supposed to come up with the worst option and try to sell them on it. And if somebody comes up with a better option, then, you know, they did their job. Um, so, uh, yeah, aside from that, this is where we get the, the, the only deleted scene that actually matters on this episode. Because we get introduced to the famous Cal Penn here. And oh, now I do remember him being cast. Yeah. Uh, do you Because, do you, like, I had never seen the Harold and Kumar movies. But, I mean, I think most people <sighs> were familiar with him from those. And he'd even done this. I think Superman was out at this point because he was a henchman in uh, Superman yeah, Returns. I vaguely remember. I don't really, like, I I got more familiar with him later on. He was like a How I Met Your Mother character. I know he ended up being with Kiefer and Designated Survivor. Because he actually, um, from memory, did do something in the White House. So, like, that's why yeah, I think. Yeah, he was part of, like, Obama's administration. For yeah, so they actually, I think that was a key thing with him being in designated survivor, I think there was obviously the keeper connection. I don't know, like if it came from twenty four, but they used him because I think he played like the media advisor to Kiefer's president in designated survivor. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd never seen the Harold and Kumar movies either. Um, but yeah, because I think the other guy or um, there are, there are a few random people here in twenty four moving forward who are now bigger and better things um, that play random terrorists. Um, I mean, we had that with what's his face. Um, Oh, why have I gone blank in his name? Megan Mullally's husband, who was random redneck in season two. Oh, uh, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Like, you got these random people who just play random people. But yeah, Cal Penn being in this. I'm like, ah, there he is. Yeah, I mean, he's semi-famous, so at least when they made this. Uh, but, is he uh, Middle Eastern or is he from, uh, like, he's, he's Indian? From, it, well, it says he's he's Hindu, so I'm going to assume his ancestry is uh, Indian and not Middle Eastern. Uh, but, I mean... Ridley Scott wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. That's all we're trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but yeah, like it was, it was kind of a big deal when he was signed onto this show. And um, the way that they introduced his character is actually different because the deleted scene actually shows his father being arrested. Whereas I think what we get in the episode here is just the neighbors getting a phone call. They're like, Oh, Greg's dad was just arrested or whatever. That's the kid coming back. This guy, sorry to keep it right. He was, we've talked about him before. He, uh, yeah, on, I was wondering why. Uh, why do I recognize him? Uh, he was on something we talked about, but uh, if if people remember Nip Tuck, the uh, the famous incest uh, necrophiliac episode, that's it. The mortician guy who basically um, got caught uh, chopping up bodies to make up to a perfect woman who he kept having sex with, and they later found out that uh, he was saving his sister's head. So basically, when Nip Tuck did the uh, taboo bingo, they ticked off necrophilia and incest in the one episode. <laughs> So this guy was fucking uh, his dead sister in Nip Tuck. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm gonna see if this is the guy because uh, he looks similar here. Uh, Ray Wallace is that the character's name? Uh, I believe the character's name. Yeah, Raphael Savage. Yeah. Yes. So th- yeah, this guy I literally just watched him in something a movie that uh, 
is so horrible. It might be the worst movie I've seen in years. The Exorcist Believer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he plays uh, one of the exorcists in The Exorcist Believer. But no, there's definitely other things that I recognize in this guy business, from. Independence Day. Uh, he might have been too young to recognize in Risky Business. But uh, Independence Day, who is he in that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember him in Independence Day. Maybe he's one of the mm. military people. And obviously, I think that's anybody in that movie. Yeah, who is yeah. he in Independence Day? <laughs> No idea. Uh, and then the, the kid here, Michael Angarano. He's off things. Uh, yeah, oh, he's, he's a military in, guy. He's a, a you look him up in Independence Day, he's in a military suit. He's one of the random military people. Oh, okay. Well, this this uh, guy, the, the kid here, Michael Angarano, so um, he was in Almost Famous, uh, The Forbidden Kingdom. I think that's one with Jackie Chan and Jet Li, the first movie they did together. Uh, he was in that. But uh, big thing, he was just recently in Oppenheimer. He played Robert Serber. Oh, I guess one of the scientists in Oppenheimer. So... We saw this kid in one of the biggest movies of the year recently. Annoys me that he's there. He's like, <laughs> you know. I, I was gonna say I don't, I don't dislike this kid. I, no, I think you know, you know who he's going to be. This is going to be our Beirut or our uh, Lucas Haas or what was his name, Andrew. Um, but uh, he's not gonna be around for that long. But it's it's interesting how they decided to not show it because <laughs> I feel like that is. It's maybe more effective the way that uh, I, I obviously remembered what Cal Penn's character was going to be in this, but the way that when I saw the deleted scene, it's like they're arresting the father is like he has nothing to do with this or whatever. It, it almost becomes too obvious that this guy's going to be the bad guy, which is kind of the twist on this episode. But the way that you just introduce the neighbors and they come over, they're like this poor guy. You're empathizing with him right away as opposed to trying to dissect. Oh, is this guy telling the truth? You're just suspicious because he's got a darker color skin, right? Uh, but uh this family coming to his defense, like I, I think this family's great, as, as small of a part as they are in the show here. Uh, and even the people who come over to the house, like who are storming the door, like banging on the door, uh, the thing, he's definitely a terrorist. I, I'm not saying I side with them. I mean, uh, if if you're looking uh -oh. at levels uh -oh. of right and Where wrong, are you going no. Here? But what, what I'm saying is, <laughs> when we look I at side season, with them, but they've got a point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when, when comparing this to season four, when every time we were presented with a character like this, it's like. Oh, come on. Like, that's so over the top. This isn't as over the top because, again, the, the, the Howard Gordon was just smart enough to write the line and they're saying, the police just arrested his dad for being a terrorist. Now, if you're just a neighbor overhearing this, nobody's going to be hearing this conversation well enough. They're just going to be hearing the words terrorist and see a guy pulled away. You're living in this suburban neighborhood. You're scared for your family because you just saw what a bus blown up. You're probably going to at least go over there and start questioning, right? So, do they go a little bit too far, maybe? But um, it's still, it's actually, it's a much better scene than I think I remember this whole American, subplot no being. No disrespect to our Americans. You know I love you. But, I mean, again, we lived in this in 9-11. What did you go and yeah. do after 9-11? You went, The next day you went and bashed a bunch of people at, like, a mosque. Like, it happened. Like, it actually happened. Yeah, exactly. There is history for this. So to say, oh, we shouldn't show this or, or this is too stereotypical. Like, even the writer saying, oh, this will be too, this is going to be very over the top. And then... And coming to, well, maybe it should be a little bit more realistic. Yes, because it happened. I'm sure, and this isn't that far removed. I'm sure if tomorrow you and Jamie were going to India, Canadians aren't exactly welcomed in the country of India right now. I can't imagine yeah. you're going to be treated very well when you get off that plane. Yeah. Um, let's not get into some of the other countries around the world uh, who we recently talked about some stuff on, some other movies. Uh, but but yeah, like there, there's, there's tensions. And um, this, especially you, when you consider that these terrorist attacks just hit the news, and this isn't like in season four where they just simply see a person with dark, dark colored skin and they're like, oh, this guy's a terrorist. They have literally overheard the words terrorist, terrorist, as the FBI and the police are hauling this guy out of the house. And they left one guy behind. They're like, no, you forgot him. Come get the other terrorist. And plus, they're right. 
<laughs> because Calpin, that's the twist. You get that that scene with the son and the dad coming over there. It's like, it's okay, we're going to sort this out. And then you have him on the phone with, with a fight or whatever. And that's the big twist on the episode. And even Kiefer Sullivan was saying like, you know, this, what, he he said it rarely happens when he's reading a script for 24 because he kind of knows the show inside he and out. He doesn't read. <laughs> he doesn't even bother read. Read it show to me, up, Howard. Show up as sober as he can get. Not even fully sober, uh, just as sober as he can get. What are we doing? You can see sunglasses. What's this? Reading. Is there an action scene? I don't want to do it. Bitch. No more shout outs. No. <laughs> Fuck you. Read it to me, John. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's just repeating his John Cassar. All right, so you need to say, I won't don't die for nothing. I don't want to die for nothing. Am I a vampire uh, yet? I've requested that <laughs> in season one. Damn it. And I'm sick of saying, damn it. Give me a Christmas tree. <laughs> but but Kiefer says that when he read that twist, literally sitting in his living room on the couch, his jaw dropped and he sat up in his seat. He's like, what? Like, oh, I can just picture Kiefer something. Oh, <laughs> you sober. got me. Wow! Good he's, job, Howard. First time he's read a script sober. Wow! Yeah, this show is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Took him six um, years. I, anything no you want to touch on me? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it until now. I, I was wondering why they were nominating me for Flatliners for the Emmys. I thought that they just had the movies and TVs mixed up this Got year. Got a Golden Globe. I thought that was for the Lost Boys. It was for this show. It's bloody good. He rings up. Hey, John. This show is really good. <laughs> I, I I thought that this this statue on the shelf here was my dad's from Mash back in the seventies. <laughs> now I realize it's got Kiefer on there. It's in it's real time. That that's amazing. <laughs> so that woman at the end that was my what? That was my wife. Oh my god. <laughs> You telling me my grandpa was one of the greatest Canadian of all time? So I'm Canadian. I'm Donald too? Sutherland's son. <laughs> I'm third generation Canadian and famous too. I'm Canadian. <laughs> I, oh, you guys know that I once banged Julia Roberts? Apparently, I made the tabloids. Wait, she was a sex worker, wasn't she? Oh, that was a character. <laughs> There's somebody else I was thinking about for a second there. Uh, <laughs> well, that was <laughs> <laughs> we went different directions on that joke. <laughs> My apologies, Miss Nichols McNichol. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> wow, that went somewhere. <laughs> Anyways, back to the show. Any thoughts we call the Calpen side of the story? I mean, like it's it's. Again, this is what I think the first four episodes do well. It's kind of like a unique twist. It is very Beiruzy, but like if you if you water down so many of these storylines, and this is what gets bad about this season, the next season, and even season eight, is it's 24 just gets renowned for repeating the same things over and over again. This is one of those ones that isn't obvious, but it is repeating the same thing, but it's just done with a different take. Like this Calpen twist is going to be great when he's on the phone to Fayad and he's kind of like, oh, I've got the package. Um, he's got a package. That man's packing. But um, like I kind of like this idea of just this like suburban family seeing you know rednecks attacking one and standing up. Like you know like it's kind of it's breeding into those stereotypes of like redneck Americans you know defending their honor because I'm American. Get the fuck out of our country versus like you know immigrant sentiment and 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 the the stuff that happens in these situations. But it's like at the same time you've got just like this suburban family who that you've still got. For every redneck Dick Nick Offerman type character you've got wanting to bash these people, you've got another like five who are wanting to defend them, you know? Yeah. 
Um, but then it is that twist. Like, I'm not keeping draw dropping to the ground. But, like, I like this family. I kind of like what they do with it. And kind of it's got a really interesting ending what will happen, particularly with the dad um, moving forward. So they always try to take sort of like, I think they learnt from their mistakes from old fuckface from season three, annoying old kid goes to Mexico. I can't even remember his name. Like, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, they, they, they learned from their mistakes of that, you know, and also from the whole like Kim babysit storyline. Like nothing will ever peak Janet. Like these early characters early on in the season that we're wondering what are they involved? They reached in the their peak back in season peak one with Janet. Janet. Like no one's ever topping Janet. But I think season two, no. Season three, no. Season four, yes. And then season five, it would be season Con- five, yes. Connie Britton and everyone. Remember oh, Connie Britton? Um, and then and then Connie Britton was in this show. John, did you know that? <laughs> uh, I get it now. Um, but yeah, I, I think like this is a unique one that they do, and. There's elements moving forward with our kind of touch on this, but it kind of this reminds me. There's the the really awful one they do in season and in living uh, legacy, with um the the girl the schoolgirl who ends up being a terrorist who blows up the George Washington Bridge, like oh yeah, that storyline involves her giving a blowjob to a teacher. Um, so <laughs> you know why wouldn't you have that storyline in twenty four? Uh, you lose Keeva Sutherland. This week on the Marissa Nichols podcast. <laughs> you lose Keeva <laughs> Sutherland in the show. Let's have teenagers giving their teachers a blowjob. Why not? Um, <laughs> uh, Colin, look up blowjob. Um, but yes, uh, <laughs> I, I, I like this storyline. And Carl Penn, what a man. Pack it. Big dong. Uh, um, all right. So the, the rest of the stuff with CTU and Jack, uh, Jack's basically chained up to a wall, oh, a fence or something like lucky. that. <laughs> Being whipped, uh, <laughs> filling all Ben's dreams this week. But um Chloe, of course, who just was told by Nadia, oh, yeah, they're exchanging Jack, just decides to go off on her own, and she's enlisting Morris's help because Morris is going to help save Jack. they got to reroute these satellites because there's not supposed to be anybody spying on the, the trade. Uh, and, of course, this all gets blown up when the henchmen have guys on the the, the, the guys at the desk, the, the, guy, the guy in the chair who's able to determine, yes, they have a satellite who's reading us, and then nobody at CTUs knows about those Bill and... Uh, Natty, I don't think Bill's there yet. It's just uh, Ted. Ted's the guy in the chair. Bill and Ted. Oh, Bill and Ted. Okay. Now you you retract that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep, that, that worked well. <laughs> that happened. That how, was a joke. Says Curtis. Curtis, <laughs> how many episodes to mention the character Bill on Twenty Four and finally make a Bill and Ted joke? And when I did it, Colin, the one who's a fan of the Bill and Ted franchise on this show. <laughs> what? Who? Bill and Ted? What's that? Who? The host? The host? Um. Anyways, so uh, Nadia finds up with this. You got to call that off. Uh, basically, Chloe and Morris screw up here. And I think this is one of the things I like is that we're coming off of season five, which I love everything about the season. I don't think that it'll ever be topped in 24, maybe television as a whole. It's going to be one of the greatest single seasons any show has ever had. But one of my biggest complaints is that Chloe and Jack always had to be right. And here you're starting off the season with Chloe taking law into her own hands and basically screwing everything up and almost costing them, you know, uh, the ability to find this, uh, what terrorist, they think it's a terrorist at this point. It's a nice little twist they throw in there. Um, just going back to uh, what you said about um, you know having to repeat what they've done before. Another thing they address in that writers' room segment, where they're and this is something they recorded at the end of the season six, where they're saying, "Yeah, season seven plans. All I'm going to say is that it's going to be a very different show. I don't even think we're going to necessarily have it in Los Angeles. 
they, 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 me. they essentially what they say and like <laughs> that's the most funny thing I've oh. ever. <laughs> Kim getting kidnapped. Oh, completely new. <laughs> well, but but as far as like the setting and everything, because they they end up joking. So you would actually like the end of that segment. It's basically them trashing season six and them being bored with the show. They're saying. We felt like we were getting a little bit stagnant here. Oh, and it says, what new ideas can we come up with next season? And then they're basically joking around. They're saying, I got an idea. Maybe Jack can go rogue. And then somebody else is like, and maybe Chloe has to uh, do something outside of her authority. And she gets in trouble for it and suspended. And then maybe we'll have a mole. And they start running through everything that's done every season, explaining why season seven needed to be a reboot for them. Um, but yes, we've seen this before. We've just never seen Chloe actually be the one who's who's wrong. Um, absolutely love when Bill comes in here and he's telling Chloe, look at me. I said, look at me. And she's, I'd rather not, sir. <laughs> like again, we never, now. Yeah, I'm the captain. What? Oh my God. These, these jokes are going really well today. Uh, <laughs> the famous scene from that, uh, Tom Hanks movie. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain. Oh yeah. Now. I'm, I'm the captain. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> That's two from now, if, there, if there were dead ducks in it, I probably would have got the reference. Hang on, hang on. There we go. Dead uh, ducks. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so Chloe not only being wrong, but very being very ashamed of herself in the mini were basically hanging her head like a child. I'd rather not, sir. Uh it's amazing. Uh and um when Jack ends up getting taken here because they did switch off the satellites in time, uh they have this twist where you find out that this guy Fayed basically has a grudge against Jack because Jack tortured his brother way back in the day. Got to come up with some reason for him to do it. Um, I don't hate it. it. It does feel a little bit like, oh, how do we get Jack back? Somebody wants revenge. There's much bigger fish to fry. And we've kind of gone through this before where somebody's like, I got a personal vendetta that I'm going to pigeonhole into our big master plot to take over the world here. Uh, and uh, they, they take Jack. Basically, Jack repeats where he was at the end of season five. They're beating him up. Uh, Jack flatlines. So you think he's dead. And then we get to the, the biggest, the flatliners with Kevin Bacon. You got that one? Yay! Yes. <laughs> it's a Kiefer movie. <laughs> but meanwhile, Kiefer's like, what does that have to do with me and flatlining? I was was like, I in a movie about flatlining? He's really good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd love to work with him one day. You did? I did? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, Next time you tell uh, me I've, got a, I've worked with Emilio Estevez. I, I have. <laughs> I was in a cowboy movie. I should have gotten Bon Jovi. Did. He did? Ah. Oh. <laughs> One day I'd really like to meet that Donald Sutherland guy. He just seems so fatherly and like. Like I'm a good mentor, maybe. <laughs> you know, I'd really like to phone up Colin Farrell one time and maybe like threaten him for a movie. Oh, I've done that too. Oh. There you go. What if I played the big bad wolf and kidnapped Reese with I did that as well. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> And gee, it's sure a good thing that I never stopped making 24. <laughs> I'd really like to be in a TV show on Paramount Plus where I say the F word and doesn't really do that well. <laughs> hey, have you uh, seen, I think it's out now, the 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 Kane Mutiny movie with him and uh, huge cast. Him and um, oh, not that... Jason Patrick, not Jason Isaac, the other Jason, yeah, uh, Jason Clark. We talked a lot about that back when uh, I think the trailer, I didn't realize it was out. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it just came out, like maybe within this past week. Uh, the Kane Mutiny Court Martial. I'm seeing it's got a 6.9 on IMDb. That's not terrible. <laughs> Six nine. Um, yeah, Jason Clark, um, Lance Reddick, the, the the late Lance Reddick. Uh, if you're familiar with him, Lance um, Reddick. 
Well, no you'd, if you saw Lance Reddick, you'd you'd be familiar with him. I mean, he's big in the John Wick movies, but uh, he's is this in that thing we did on the fringe. when we're talking about the guy who's like hosting the freaking uh, James Brian Bond Cox, show? Where I have no idea. You, who no one and I spending half an hour trying to say you would know Brian Cox from this. You're like, don't remember him. <laughs> oh, it's got Bill Pullman's son in it. Yeah, a great actor, Lewis Pullman. Uh, but yeah, look up Lance Reddick. You know him. Oh yeah, he was in um, Lost. Yeah, I, I thought he was in one of the JJ. Well, because he was a JJ Abrams guy, because JJ Abrams cast him in uh, Fringe after that. Yeah, he was the guy uh, who like drove around um, uh, Locke in in the the side bits. You know, um, this is whatever his character was. Sidebar: I, sh- I should. I was supposed to get up at four he was in the morning. The I should probably speed this along, but uh, sorry. <laughs> of course he was. Uh, let's get Fran back on to talk about him. Um, I, I have to get up at four in the morning, so I'm going to speed this along. But. Uh, uh, an actor I've seen pop up something that I didn't even remember him being in, probably because he looks completely different. Ken Lung, the the guy who plays mm-hmm. Miles on um, uh, Lost. Yeah, he's in Rush Hour. Yeah, he's a, he's like the main henchman. Your is my camera, camera flickering camera on your is side? Going really weird. <laughs> Call of Duty attacked by the Matrix. Um, I thought I that was just if, me. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can fix it. The, <laughs> the government's heard you. Trudeau's listening. <laughs> It is about to look like one of those old Dharma Initiative videos, like the seventies ones. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but I, knew, I knew Ken. He's was the guy that. who utters the line "Russia," but he's like bleach blonde in it, so yeah. I didn't recognize. He's the one that guy. He's fight me like a man. He's like put the gun down. Fight me like a man. That's that guy, yeah, isn't it? Nothing. It's just rush hour. Yeah. But but like he's one of these guys because he did. It was only a couple years after that he was in. I think it was the third X Men movie. He's just one of these guys that aged overnight. He went mm. from looking 20 to looking like 40 overnight. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this was in his 20s era. But, and he was bleach blonde. But, yeah, great actor. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, rest of the episode. We get the big moment. This is where Jack flatlines himself. And so we know he's a vampire because he doesn't have a heartbeat. We didn't see whether he has a reflection in the mirror. But he does bite a man's neck yes. <laughs> and suck his blood. And uh, now, now there, there is a thing where you can see him spit it out. And apparently, Kiefer actually—I don't know what what they. Cantaloupe. Uh, I don't know. I just had it, whatever it was. Cantaloupe. Yeah. Um, there's a more graphic shot of this where uh, you spat it out. But uh, when he did it, I guess the actor who he was biting the neck of didn't know he was going to have this piece of cantaloupe in his mouth and was going to spit something out. This is something that's actually from The Godfather Part Three. I think this because Andy Garcia bites Joe Montana's ear in that movie. And when they were filming, Andy Garcia got like a piece of a hot dog to put in his mouth. Hmm. And without telling anybody, he actually spits this thing out and they kept that in the movie. So Kiefer Sillen, I guess, decided to want to do the same thing. Uh, but when the cantaloupe hit the ground, it basically made, it wasn't like what you expect, like a splat. It was like a ding, like somehow it actually dinged something on the floor. And the other actor, he bit the ear off, just cracked up. <laughs> uh, but we still get him spitting the cantaloupe in the, the episode. Um, it is bizarre, but like, again, in a weird way, it kind of suits Jack, who's been in prison for almost two years by himself that this is what he would resort to how he flatlined his heart. I don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of down Bond, for Jack. Dracula. Day. Except yeah, he's well, cause he flat flatlining himself. Yeah, exactly. It's just no vampire Pierce. Uh, now Pierce oh. had all of a sudden turned vampire and bit Judy Dench's neck. Well, then we would have had a movie. Pierce Brosnan playing a vampire. Now there's a movie. <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of like Dracula Kiefer here. Uh, yeah. You, is this, you doing the whole episode or are you going to like, I don't know, like well, that's scene, it. Right? I think that's it. I don't think there's anything well, else left. I guess you've touched on Cal Penn uh, being. I guess yeah. there's a whole the bit where like um yeah anyway you did cover it um yeah I think my big again just nitpicking the plot the way they get there with uh, like again you've got to get Jack back. I get it. That's that's the whole thing with any season of Twenty Four. Oh, what's Jack done last season? He's pretending to be dead. He's dead. He's in China. Got to get him back, and you dismiss it really quickly. 
But like the way they keep going, this is our only option. Like, I'm sorry, you've done more with less in the past. Like, I mean, really? Like, Fayette is calling you up and they're like, oh, we can't track him. We can't do anything. We can't do this. Like, okay, you can't track him. So why does the US government satellite system suck so badly that the only ones you have are terrorists can control all of them, even if you've got rogue ones? Like, you are the United States government. You're listening to this call. You've disabled Colin's camera. Like, that's how good you are. I don't, I don't get it. Um, but again, I'm just nitpicking for nitpicking's sake. It's, I, I do, like, Chloe is a terrible employee. Can we just point that out? Like, uh, Bill even says, like, we'd fire you, but we need the people. I mean, for fuck's sake, yeah. CTU, hire some people. Um, you should be the busiest freaking workforce in the United States. You're getting attacked like 900 people are dead in the last three days and you're still lacking people. Um, but like, yeah, she's like going off grid with it. Morris is, you know, but whatever. But, um, yeah, like this whole sort of thing with, um, Jack torturing Fayed's brother and it's, it's, it's lazy, but you've got to get it done. Jack looks good in his little shirt, by the way, if we've really touched on that. Um, Oh, you didn't touch on the Bill and Karen are married because she touches the oh, ring. Yeah. Well, I'm I mentioned at the beginning, yeah, that that's a little bit done a little bit better than the whole Michelle and Tony one. They didn't I like miss that. you. Which again, there's a massive plot point in this season where Karen, spoiler alert, will later end up in LA. Which I'm pretty sure this is one of those ones where it was a bit like Paul in season four, where the flight's like about three hours, and it's actually like a five six hour mm. flight. But anyway, I think they explain a little bit better in this season. She gets like a diplomatic charter or something like that. But um. Yeah, like, the, I mean, I honestly think this, like, Jack, why are they torturing Jack? Fire's dumb. He's been in a fucking Chinese prison for 18 months and not said a word. Like, surely they're going to be torturing. Now, this is where Kiva should start laughing. Like, please, bitch, the Chinese did this, they did this, did this. You're going to pour some hydrochloric acid on my wounds? Dude, I'm into that now. Like, seriously, I'm going to start a club for that. Oh, you're going to chop a finger off? Hello, look between my legs. I don't have a dick. They chopped it off, like, piece by piece for 18 months. And a finger's going to affect me? You know how big my dick was, Fayed. So, whatever. Um, but I reckon this is one of those bits where the writers are like, okay, we've got Jack Bingo. Jack threatens a guy with a towel down his throat. Check. Jack shoots a guy in a room and chops his head off. Check. Jack robs a convenience store. Check. Jack highlight hijacks a plane. Check. All right. Jack is a vampire. All right. When are we going to fit that in? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller, Bueller, season six, premier. Right. Jack is a vampire. Now, uh, if, if this should go just gone one or two more seasons, we would eventually got Jack attacks a Christmas tree. <laughs> like, we were this close. It was on the list. They're just revisiting Kiefer's movie career. Jack <laughs> hangs out with Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise. I don't know what he did in that movie. I've never seen it, but... Sure. Um, uh, no, let's not do a time to kill. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Keith, uh, Jack rapes a nine-year-old girl. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took a turn. <laughs> I'm thinking like Jack is a big bad wolf. Jack is like that, that Matrix <laughs> one in Dark City or whatever it was. Jack rapes a child. Leave out a time to kill. Keeper was not in that movie. This is our criteria for Jack Oof. Bingo. <laughs> All right, that, that went very dark. Um, but... Yeah, like, it's just, it's just fun. Like, it's just, like, the, the, I made our title card this week of Jack biting a guy. But, like, I just, I love this guy's <laughs> reaction. He's like, <laughs> Jack just spits it out. But I love his kind of, like, um, fake play at the end when he's opened the door for, like, the the tunnel and he's actually underneath and he's wiping the blood off his mouth because he's Jack Bauer. You see, like, one thing you never see in this season, the guy's been tortured in a Chinese prison for 18 months, right? At least with freaking Bond in Die Another Day, he gets taken to hospital. 
been injected yeah. by scorpion. Like they, they, they look after their own in Britain, China. I mean, America. <laughs> Eighteen months later, fuck it, just kill yourself. And like straight after this, he bit into a guy's neck. He's, I mean, what if that guy had a disease? Like, I mean, you know, Jack could have started the uh, the whole COVID thing. Next season, when Jack gets sick, it's not because he got uh, contracted whatever virus Tony's got next season. As in, Tony's got AIDS, let's be honest. Um, (laughs) Jack's sick. He's bitten into his He's got hepatitis B or something like that. He could have AIDS. Get this man. And and the terrorist, if he survived, the mouth is a dirty place. I'm worried for these people. Anyway, it's a decent ending to a decent episode. Uh, all right. So trivia. Um, one. This is the high. Or I don't know if it's this one specifically, but like the 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 double premiere here had the highest ratings in twenty four history. Uh, I think the average is fifteen point seven million viewers across both episodes, but that it peaked at over sixteen million viewers, which is the highest in uh, higher than anything in season five. Again, just showing how pumped for this season people were. Um, the, uh, other ones here, well, that's episode two, so we're not going to get there yet. Um, anything in the book? Not really. Um, yeah, Tara's really disappointing me recently on these ones. Can I just, we we point out this is the first season to start at 6am. That's not on a trivia. So this is actually, I think, uh, it is the only one that will start at 6am, but it's also, I believe the first instance where, the premiere episode starts at the same time as the conclusion for the last episode, if that makes sense. So like if, you know, like obviously a couple of episodes have started at, um, you know, 7am. So like the finale will end at 7am, but like, and then technically the next episode starts at 8am, but like obviously, cause the mm. last episode of season five was 6am to 7am episode one of season six is also 6am. Does that make sense? I'm making sense. Um, so it's this, terrible trivia. That's all the that matters. <laughs> that's a Ben Waterworth trivia. That's not even a, a book or a, or a whatever trivia. I just want to point out with the book though, my favorite thing is, is the picture they use of DB Woodside on the back, Wayne Palmer. This summarizes season six. Can you see it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> they what? just need to add in his, like somebody farted look from uh, last season. They literally just need to put that on the cup. So people obviously won't see this. It's a picture of Wayne Palmer with his head in his hands. Uh, like, going, oh, no. Like, they just need to put that on the cover of season six. Um, yeah, I don't have any other oh. trivia. Um, I, I think, I, was, I mean, this is a final season premiere of 24 to feature LACTU. Um, oh, yeah. mean, the, Eric, the Eric Balfour trivia is interesting. It's the longest uh, uh, gap of anybody's episodes, 104 episodes. Also, Roger Cross has been downgraded to a guest star. Poor Roger Cross. Um, But, like... The, actually, this is one. This isn't related to what I was. My plot hole is about the red, the high, high homeland security. They go on. He's saying the new said the Department of Homeland Security has raised the threat to red, highest level since the department was formed. But in season three, they also raised the threat level. I don't remember that. But um, again, nuclear bombs do not raise it to red. There's uh, a couple other. Actually, there are a few other good ones here. First of all, Stephen Merchant, who's of oh, course uh, Ricky Gervais's writing partner. Yeah. So did you? Yeah. Did you notice him? Because as soon as I saw him, I didn't notice him. No. Because he. Um, I mean, he's, he's hard to miss. He's like seven well, feet tall. But, but I, like as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh my god, that's that guy. So like, I think Nadia or my, somebody hands a file to a person. It's like a guy sitting at a desk with glasses. That's him. Um, he was of course in movie forty three as well. We talked about him in that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've, I've written that down because I completely forgot that um he he was in this episode. Uh, and the the other one here, which is uh, s- semi interesting, uh, is that uh, see, this is more of blooper. One of the phones at six forty five a.m. 
if you look at the phone, it reads 8, 11 a.m. Hmm. Um, and then the date is November 11th, 2004. So uh, that's a bit of a mistake on there. And obviously uh, uh, we should mention that um, the, the Democrats are back in control as well, obviously. after the, And again, it's never explained about Logan until later on in this season. But um, and just saying, and again, I, I, I'm not an American. I don't vote either way. But uh, we're always going to talk about the people who are most presidential and probably better at their jobs tend to be the Republicans, which means that freaking <laughs> President Taylor is Republican. I don't get yeah. She, to me, always seems Democrat, but she's actually a Republican. So that's an interesting one for the next And season. Powers Booth is Democrat. Yeah, pow- <laughs> like Powers Booth. Figure. <laughs> Powers Booth is not a Democrat. I'm sorry. I saw that guy kidnap the vice president at the Stanley Cup Finals Game 7. <laughs> guy is no Democrat. Uh, this episode is a buy for me. I think you already said you were going to buy the first four episodes correct, of the season, and then it'll all be downhill from there. Uh, rankings. Um, Ranking. Rankings. Rankings, baby. Uh, th- that actually has to do with one of our show. We're not doing really bad singing. We are Double doing really bad singing, but it's seven. a reference to Listen to Double R7. Uh, this is going to uh, be ranked 18th overall for me. So uh, right after season four, episode 15, and right ahead of season three, episode 14. Remind me where you've got season five premiere. Uh, number 11. Oh, thank God. I thought you had this higher than the the uh, no, no. The, the, the premiere of that. Um, I'll tell you my ranking when my uh, lovely document wants to work for me. There we go. Um, yeah, I, I even I surprised myself. But this is actually quite low, but uh, as a buy, uh, I've got this at 52. Um, I just think like it's again it's standard it's paint by numbers it's setting things up these first four episodes get better and again I absolutely am in love with episode four of this uh, the first four episodes but it's just it's just it's just building it and there's enough here that kind of dangles a thread of of potential for this season but again I'm painting with a brush of knowing where this really doesn't go and how bad this will turn up again this is renowned as a Jack Bauer days of our lives family season like I'd almost excuse this season in a way if you introduce this at the beginning. Like, I mean, like, wh- why does it, it comes out of nowhere? But, um, yeah, so I've got this just below episode two of season four and just above episode nine of last season. Just quickly looking at the premieres, uh, I think I've got this as the lowest of the premieres. I actually have the pilot episode, episode one of season one, only two spots ahead of this. Um, so there you go. I have episode one of season four and at 26. Uh, I can't see the other ones. They're around here somewhere. Um, they're they're around here somewhere. Where's episode one? I just misplaced them. Three. That's an interesting one. That that just about. Oh, it's at number twenty-eight. Apparently, I've got that. And episode one of season two is at sixty-seven. So that's actually below this. So sorry, this is the second lowest premiere. I've got the season two premiere lower than this. Even Jack Hagen. This is my I second. Live? It's my second highest premiere. I have um, this now, o- overall. This will end up at 79th on my list overall as well. Now I I know that the next three episodes are all going to be solid as well. Uh, I don't remember everything that happens in each episode. Just sort of looking at what's to come next week. I'm pretty sure next week's not going to be the best of the four. Uh, but no. I might surprise me. Now my reasoning for this is because we do get introduced to an amazing actress who plays uh, Academy a character I've. Academy Award winner Regina King, who plays a character that I was never that fond of when it first aired, but I also wasn't as fond of some of the other characters I've already seen this week. Uh, so maybe I'll be surprised. But I mean, her storyline is just one of these. It, it's it's too predictable. Twenty four. You need to throw family drama in there. That's something. I, I, that's the type of storyline that you either introduce in episode one or you introduce in like episode nine. 
We also get uh, Harry Lennox in next week, uh, who we talked a lot about back oh, in yeah. the DCEU and other other ones as well. So uh, he's sort of very tired to send it. The thing that, like, like I, I love the fact that Regina King's in the show, don't get me wrong, but, like, yeah, they just, they waste her. She kind of comes in and she's important and they just forget about her. They bring her back for a bit and then they forget about her again. I mean, you got fucking Regina King. Um, and I, mm. I felt, again, this is another one of these things that maybe they were going to go somewhere with it. But, I mean, I think my biggest thing around this too is that it's it's – what is a problem with this season around family stuff? Like I, I, I'm all for shows when you want to introduce family, if there's some sort of connection to it, we have never heard a name mentioned. We like, I mean, yeah. okay. You might argue that, well, when do you bring it up last season with Wayne, when David's dead, have a news report, like where you literally have Sherry on stock footage. Why isn't there a, like a, you know, he was a brother to a, a sister and whatever. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you never heard. Like, I think Wayne from memory back in season three, talked about like them growing up and their father maybe at a point, but like she's never been mentioned. And that that's just one of these things that annoys me when you just. And you, Carol's been mentioned and this lady hasn't. That's exactly. why it's a problem. <laughs> and um, I mean, she's hit and miss. Like, don't get me wrong. She's it's fucking Regina King. Like what a woman. But um, yeah, but I think next week uh, it's Jack. Like this week we've had Jack Bauer turns vampire next week. Jack Bauer kicks a terrorist off a plane at a train and it blows up in a subway. So if you want to see Jack Bauer of hand-to-hand combat on the LA subway system, next week's the episode for you. And outside of uh, 24, we're going to be talking dead ducks. Is that over now? Or are we into back to the future? We're back to Exodus this week, Colin. We're we're, we're getting close to wrapping up dead duck month. We're recording this episode a day before it airs. This is like the closest I think we've ever done an episode (laughs) to the day of airing. We usually are much more ahead of time in these people, as you can tell. So if you want to know why we keep referencing Ridley Scott's <laughs> hatred for anybody who's not white, just watch Exodus Gods and Kings. Um, don't watch it. Just or, or don't, don't watch it. Just listen to our <laughs> recap. Uh, and uh, Amazing Race episodes as well. And then Back to the Future month will be coming next month. We're going to keep promoting that because it's the most excited we've been for any month since we did Star Wars month. And we know how Star Wars month ended. We ended up having to watch The Rise of Skywalker. Thankfully, we get to end with the Back to the Future trilogy we do. ending. We this don't is have just to, us wanting. We, yes. we, was this or Rush you know, Hour month? And next year we'll do Rush Hour. We're just choosing movies we love, uh, the yeah. uh, sequels and. Do you do you know what I actually franchise. realized? Uh, we we once talked about wrapping up for these franchises. We cover all the movies and then wrapping it up. Like we have never done the Rise of Skywalker. We did all the movies leading up to that. We had never done uh, Jurassic World Dominion. We did all the ones Terminator. We didn't do the last one. We are like zero for five on these franchises that we spend weeks and weeks covering for the final film of, and then the final film being incredibly disappointing. Matrix, same thing happened there. We we need we need a hit. Mission Impossible is going to be it next year because that's the only one left. I mean, there's a month in itself. We can literally do catch up month of movies that we did. Yeah, like you know. So I guess we'd do what Spider Man. We'd have to do a couple of Spider Man, wouldn't we? Um, yeah. Well, Rise of Skywalker, Terminator, Jurassic. and um, Jurassic. Jurassic World would be the big ones. Fallen Kingdom. I mean, but I'm down for it. I like being a completionist, and we can sit there and back. And I, look, I I haven't watched Fallen Kingdom since um, Dominion. A uh, uh, Dominion. Sorry, I haven't watched Dominion. I saw it twice at the movies. I haven't watched it since. I haven't watched. I've saw Rise of Skywalker twice. I don't think I've watched it since. Um, so I'd be down for that. Yeah. There we go. Well. We'll eventually finish up. We'll call it disappointing conclusion month. Huh? <laughs> yes. That's, I like you didn't get my jokes, but you got the name of the title. Good job. Uh, so, yeah, back to the future. We won't disappoint. So stay tuned for that. Um, my name is Colin Nickel McNichol. I don't have a closing line, so I'm going to go. My name is Dracula Jack. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs>
Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)